Welcome to Non-Gendered Fitness, where we explore health, fitness, transitioning, and queer life from beyond the binary. Proudly brought to you by Fearless Movement Collective, the home of queer fitness and health. And here's your host, Bowie Stobar. Hi there, welcome to Non-Gendered Fitness. This is episode 62. My name is Bowie Stover. My pronouns are they, them, and I am stoked to have you join me today. This show is recorded on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty never was and never will be ceded, and I pay my respects to elders past, present, and emerging. This episode, friends, we're going to be looking at busting a pretty common training myth, and I've seen it around a lot lately, and it is that you can spot train fat off your body. Now, this is something that's really popping up a lot. I'm not sure if there's just a lot of misinformation going around. I know there always has been, but I've seen people talk about it, and it's usually in relation to people wanting to get a six-pack. (laughs) <laughs> now I get like six packs, they're advertised, this really amazing thing to have, you know, a standard of attraction and stuff like that. I actually did a whole episode about core muscles and how our six packs aren't actually as good as what people say they are. It's our deeper core muscles that provide strength. However, I digress. <laughs> people are wanting to have a visible six pack and they are online, they're in threads and they're asking, you know, what exercises can I do to get my six pack? Now, this comes from this belief that spot training is possible and it comes from the fitness industry and it comes specifically from like blogs and articles out there that have titles like eight best ways to get a six pack fast or six pack abs in 30 days or abs workout to get that six pack. Oh my god, I mean, either names themselves sound terrible, (laughs) and they are a false promise. They are not, it's not possible to get a six pack in 30 days, friends, Um, unless you're doing some really aggressive dieting, which is not healthy for you long term, it's not good for your body at all. Now, what these titles are really suggesting is that doing certain exercises in a particular area is going to influence your physique in that area. And while I can't deny that it will likely strengthen your muscles if you were to do a particular set of exercises in that area, it doesn't mean you're going to get any sort of loss in body fat from that area. Now, this is because our body stores energy as fat all over our bodies, not just in particular spots. And the source of the energy that our body decides to use during movement doesn't necessarily come from the fat in the area that is being worked. See, fat storage in our body is based off the location of fat receptors that we have in particular areas. So our body has these little little cells, I guess, (laughs) that that are in particular areas and they, they attract fat to those areas for accumulation and this is why our bodies accumulate fat in certain areas more so than in other areas and usually energy when it is used in our body is first used up from the supply that is in our muscles and then it is used up 
by the store that we have in our liver. They are the first port to call because it is the most easily accessible energy for our body to use. And our body is efficient and it wants to use that first. So those hundred crunches that a fitness mag is suggesting that you do is most likely going to use stored energy in your muscles and liver before it even starts using any of that stored fat that you may have on your stomach. And there's quite a bit of stored energy in our muscles, up to like between 90 and 150 minutes of energy we can actually have stored in our muscles for physical activity before it even gets to any of our stored energy supplies. So put that into context. You're not going to spend 150 minutes doing crunches to use up all that stored energy before you start using stored body fat. It's it's not going to be a good time frame and it's not going to be realistic or sustainable. See, our body does not have the capacity to pick and choose its energy source. It functions on what is the most efficient for it to survive. As I mentioned, our bodies like to do things the easiest way possible. When it comes to using energy, it has gotten really good at storing and using energy, first in the muscles and liver, then on the rest of our body. So if you're looking to lose weight in certain areas, spot training those areas is not going to be how it's done. But it's not to say that you can't lose weight in certain areas if that is your goal. But, there's a but here, (laughs) because it'll take a full body approach. And even then, if you're training in a full body approach, you're moving all your parts, you're doing a variety of different things. There is no guarantee that you're going to reduce the fat in all the areas of your body. Again, this links back to those fat receptors that we have in our bodies in particular areas. This is why sometimes when we train, you'll be training and training and training. Or if you're someone who has lost weight, or your goal is to lose weight, or you're hearing about people who have lost weight and they have these struggles, particularly on their stomachs, because it is an area that we have more fat receptors. So our body is more inclined to store fat there. It doesn't want it to go away for multiple reasons. <laughs> Now, this is especially common in people who are AFAB because people who are AFAB generally have more fat receptors around the hips, thighs, and butt, whereas people who are AMAB tend to have more fat receptors on their abdomen. Now, this is not always the case. That That is very generalized um, statement there, but for the most part, that is generally how people's fat distribution works based on sex hormones, because our fat distribution is influenced by the hormones that our body secretes, which is why AFAB people, estrogen influences fat storage and fat deposits around certain areas and testosterone does as well, which is why people may find if you have, you're listening and you've started like tea, for instance, you may have found that some of your fat distribution has actually shifted from your hips, thighs and butt up to your abdomen. That can happen because our sex hormones do influence those areas of accumulation. So 
if you are someone that wants to gain more like muscle tone and definition in certain areas, it's going to take some consistent full body training to make that happen. You cannot spot train muscles into visibility. It's not going to happen, friends. It's really it's an unrealistic promise that has been pushed by the fitness industry that preys on the fears and insecurities of people thinking, oh, well, I, I need to look like this. And, oh, this this magazine here is going to give me eight exercises to help me get that. And then once I have that, won't, won't I feel so much better? It's like, no, because they're lying to you and that's not possible. But by getting more active and moving your body consistently using your whole body when you train it is possible to reach those goals if that's what you're working towards and it's gonna it's gonna be a good thing that you're using your whole body to do it because training your whole bodies helps improve the overall functional ability as well as symmetry muscle symmetry and that's a big thing not for aesthetics but when we have imbalances in our muscles, say one side is stronger than the other. For example, uh, our handedness plays a huge part in this. I know when I first started training, I'm right-handed and I was very right-hand dominant. On my right-hand side, on my arm, for instance, my right upper arm, my bicep, was two to three centimeters bigger in girth, so bigger the whole way around, than my left arm. So I had buttload more muscle mass in my right arm to my left, which meant I kept on using my right arm for a lot of things because it was easier, because it was stronger and it was more comfortable. And my left arm was kind of just there to balance out and make it look like I had two arms. And the first like three or four years of my training was actually just working on balancing out the muscle symmetry in my body so that when my body moved and functioned, it did it with more balance. And that's not something that we're, that's ever really talked about when it comes to training either. There's so much importance on making sure that each side of our body, regardless of our handedness, has the strength to move and function pretty evenly. You're probably never going to get it perfect because our we, we, when we have like a right-handed persuasion we are going to be inclined to use that side more. So there's always going to be that little bit of a difference, but the more evenly balanced we can make that, the more symmetry we can have in our muscles in regards to strength and in regards to muscle mass, the better it is for our bodies long-term, just functionally. It helps us move easier (laughs) when we have that balance and it helps our bodies become more stable and it keeps our joints safe. And these are really important things because... Joint injuries, particularly as we get older, joint injuries can be real common. But by having that balance in muscle mass, we can actually help keep our joints safe so you don't end up with like a, uh, a, a, bad, a bad knee or a bad elbow or shoulder on one side because it's your offside. Because chances are when one side is stronger than the other, our not so strong side has more chance of getting injured because it doesn't have the same capabilities as our dominant side does so that's really important to think of and it's very rarely talked about (laughs) 
boggling. Before I started training, I didn't realize it was a thing. I thought it was totally normal to have one jacked arm and one little kind of skinny arm happen, and apparently not. <laughs> and even now, after coming up on nine years of training, there's still a variance. There's still like a one centimeter variance between my upper arms, but it is so much better than it was, and I and I feel more comfortable being able to use my left my left arm and my left hand for things and feel confident that I have the capability, that I have the strength there to be able to safely do stuff. Hugely important. (laughs) Now, there are plenty of ways that you can gain more muscle mass and tone. And most commonly, though, it's done with isolations. Contrary to what I just shared with you, where I <laughs> suggested that a, a full body approach where we, we use all of our body when we train, because it's not really seen. There's actually people out there from the fitness industry who will say, don't train full body every day. It's bad for you. You can't always train full body. Another untruth from the fitness industry, because in reality, every day of your life, you're functioning using your full body. There's never a point where you're not using your full body in your everyday life. So why the plop would you need to, in training, suddenly change what your body usually does every day anyway? Doesn't make sense, but that's for another episode. (laughs) Most people, when they start training and they want to gain that tone and definition. They want that six pack. They want those biceps. They want, you know, the guns. What they do is start training isolation exercises. Now, an isolation exercise is a style of training or that usually is weight-based and it focuses on singling out a specific muscle group to target For example, it could be a movement like a bicep curl or a tricep extension targeting the top front and back of the upper arm. So just singling out those and and doing a curl, like holding a weight in your hand, bending your elbow, bringing that weight up to in front of you, just targeting your biceps there at the front of the arm. It could be sit-ups or crunches. They're another good example. But they're those movements that really single out one particular muscle group and just get them to do all the work. Now, as I've mentioned, this type of training, firstly, your body never moves in isolation, but secondly, just because you're isolating those muscle groups, it doesn't mean that you're going to target the, the fat that is stored in that particular area. And on top of that, this style of training can actually lead to increasing those imbalances in muscle development that I was just talking about. And this is this is because I don't know if you've ever seen pictures or, or like memes of gym fails where you've got the people who are all big muscles in the arms and shoulders with those real underdeveloped legs. Do those memes about missing a leg day? This is exactly what I mean. If you haven't seen them, jump onto Google and do a quick search of missing leg day memes, and you're going to see them. It's people who have obviously got an idea in their head of a particular area they want to work or a particular way they want to look. So they focus on this and it becomes easy to train areas where you have a a goal of working towards. For example, if you wanted to have bigger arms and shoulders and you're thinking about it, it's like, I'm going to go train. Ah, you know, I want to get jacked. I want big muscly arms. I want big shoulders. There's plenty of dude bros out there who do it. (laughs) 
but it's a legit goal. It's fine. But the thing is, when we have a particular focus on a certain area, it can be really common to forget about other areas of the body. For example, these missing leg day memes uh, capture it perfectly because you've got all these big muscular guys, but their legs don't look like they've trained a day. (laughs) And this creates a huge imbalance in the body, which actually can lead to a lot of issues. A lot, like you can lead to injury, can lead to a lot of just lack of function because our, our body is all connected. There's not one part of our body that is not connected to the other part of our body some way. It's, it's this whole ecosystem of connected muscles, right? So when we have one area that's super strong and one area that's like <laughs> doesn't really have the strength and stability there, guaranteed badness, badness happens. It can be, it's going to be injuries. Even if it's not immediately, it's going to be long-term. It's going to be different ways that we use our body, different use on the joints, different stability around the joints and stuff like that. And long-term, it's just not going to help. So if you are keen to look like more defined in a particular area, just remember that training a specific area is not gonna train away fat tissue. What I would recommend you do is work on full body movements in training sessions or just in general when you're moving, if in whatever way that you like to move. Focus on those full body movements. And these are these are kind of sessions or moments where you're moving that target multiple muscle groups at the same time because that is how our body works in everyday life when we're standing up we're not just using our legs like there's so much more that goes on we use our stomachs we use our backs all these muscles work together to keep us upright it may be easy to think just because we're standing on our legs that it's our legs doing all the work but in fact it is not in any movement that we do reaching our arms out bending forward there's a whole bunch of muscles that all work together in those moments to make that happen and it's how our bodies in general are like to function our body our muscle groups like to work together so we should encourage them to work together as often as we can so when you're training it's using movements that are generally going to be free weights like barbells dumbbells and things like that. Those gym machines you see where you sit down and just target one area, that's where you end up creating those imbalances. Sure, you might get jacked in a particular muscle group, but that doesn't mean strength. It doesn't mean stability in an area either. So just be really mindful of that. Those isolation machines at the gyms, the gyms are full of different machines that just isolate single areas of your body. They're not necessarily going to give you all the benefit of a body that can Move as best as it can for you, however that may look for you. So free weights, yes, (laughs) barbells, dumbbells, using them for things like deadlifts, goblet squats or front squats. If you don't know what they are, friends, I'll link to them in the show notes or you can just Google those movements and have a look at them. You're probably going to find a combination of people who can do them well and people who can do them a little bit messy, but you'll get a general idea of what those movements are. You could also use... Pretty much any movement that involves a kettlebell, <laughs> my totally unbiased opinion, <laughs> for things like swings, cleans, presses, snatches, Turkish get-ups, bent presses, 
I'll link to all of those exercises so you can check them out in the show notes or you can just Google those yourself to get an idea of what I mean. But they are going to be the movements that really get as many of your muscles working all together as possible. And then when you're not focusing on those weight-based movements, alternate those sessions with some type of moderate intensity, steady state cardio. Now, there, are, I know there are people out there who say high intensity interval training is the best for burning energy and, they, and blah, 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 blah. They might be right. That's fine. <laughs> but when it comes to cardio-based sessions, I think that starting a sustainable and most importantly, enjoyable practice from the beginning is far more realistic long-term. Don't try for quick fixes. And they're out there. They're sold everywhere. Anything that promises you like a six-pack in 30 days or a a beach body in 12 weeks is not going to be offering you something that you could follow or sustain long-term. And chances are, if you did try one of those quick shred routines, which is what they are, they're a routine that's going to get you to just smash yourself and shred hardcore by restricting what you eat you're likely going to end up you will lose weight or fat tissue it's going to happen guaranteed you will but (laughs) once you stop doing that training at the end of your your 30 days at the end of your 12 weeks what then you're looking beyond that goal because when you go that restrictive and you do those sorts of extreme in my opinion extreme programs you're gonna likely end up gaining back whatever you lost plus more because our body doesn't like to work in those sorts of extreme deficits it thinks it's going into a starvation mode our body is always going to want to survive and the moment we start aggressively restricting calories our instinct in our brain deep in our subconscious is like holy shit something bad is happening I'm starving. I'm using up all that stored energy in my body. Oh, this is really bad. I'm going to run out of an energy supply at some point. And then when I run out of an energy supply, I'm going to die because that's how our body's logic works. So for the time you're restricting, you're going to be using all that stored energy. But the moment you start eating again, your brain's going to be like, thank plop for that. But I don't want that to happen again, so I'm going to have to make sure I store as much energy as possible because when that does happen again, I need to be able to survive. So your body accumulates more energy because it wants to survive. And this is what happens. It's called yo-yo dieting. It's one way of, of um, I think that's actually a really old way of talking about it, perhaps. I'm showing my age here. <laughs> but those sorts of restrictions, but then when you stop, everything bounces So you restrict and everything bounces. It's a really unhealthy cycle. Don't get caught up in it, friend. There are better, more sustainable options for you. And on top of that, keep in mind, if you're looking at this style of restrictive training because you really have that goal and you really just want to get there fast, like no judgment here. People will do whatever they need to do to help them feel good. That's fine. But... This style of training is really heavily based on calorie restrictions. So if you're someone who's wanting to change how you look by reducing the amount of body fat that you have in certain areas, be mindful that if 
you're also someone who's had a challenging relationship with food, this might not be the safest option for you because there is a lot of calorie counting, there's a lot of restriction involved. And keep in mind that there's all those quick fixes out there that are sold, you know, get these things fast, but that's not how our bodies work in general. Our bodies won't do things quickly that are sustainable. So keep that in mind. If you're wanting to change how your body looks by reducing the amount of fat that you have in certain areas, it's going to take time if you want to do it sustainably. And that is a good thing. To put, to put it into perspective for you, I have helped I've helped bunches of folks lose weight. They've come to me with these goals of wanting to lose weight. And it's possible. However, it's been gradual and spread over a period of at least 12 months. But in that time, you can shift quite a large amount of weight if that is your goal. I've had I've helped clients lose over 35 kilos within a 12-month period sustainably because they're not dropping weight immediately. It's done gradually. It's done in a way that suits their lifestyle. So it is possible if weight loss is your goal, but it's got to be done. It's got to be done smart. It's got to be done safely and it's got to be done gradually in a way that is sustainable. It's the most important thing. I don't use calorie counting to train anyone. I think it's far too restrictive and I think it puts a focus on food as just a number that's either good or bad. And I don't think that's helpful. (laughs) I don't think it's very nice and I don't think it's an enjoyable experience. But what I do remind my, my crew about when I'm helping them to lose weight is that what you eat does influence the changes that you have in your body when you're training. But it can be done without dieting. Contrary to what the diet industry out there is going to tell you, instead, what I get my crew to focus on is the foods they eat that help them feel good. And by good, I mean help them feel energized, help them feel satisfied. Foods that don't cause like bloating or lethargy, like those sorts of things. Focus on finding the foods that you currently eat that help you feel good. And then when it's when you start kind of focusing on how your food makes you feel, which influences our moods, it influences our energy levels, it influences our body functions. Once we kind of start to explore those avenues, it becomes far easier to then make a decision to go, you know, I really like, and I've shared this with you before for for myself, I love hot chips. I love hot chips, but I know that when I eat them, my stomach feels super bloated. I feel so icky. And because of that, because I have this awareness about how this food that I love so much makes me feel, I do eat them, but I'm mindful that I I don't eat them often because I don't like feeling like that. And that has helped me with my food choices and it's not restriction because I know I can have them anytime I want but it's just having the awareness that if I do have them I know I'm going to feel gross and and what would I prefer like I can have that momentary enjoyment of my hot chips and sometimes I definitely indulge I do (laughs) but it's understanding of how I'm going to feel afterwards and making that informed choice and I've found that has helped so many of my crew to 
have a better relationship with their bodies, have a better relationship with the food they're eating without ever feeling like they have to limit anything because you don't. Restrictions are shit and we don't have to do them to reach our goals. I actually did a couple episodes about eating back in episode 31 and way, way, way back in episode two. You can check them out wherever you're listening to this episode now, most likely. <laughs> Scroll back, friends, episode 31, episode two, if you want to hear a little bit more about how you can <laughs> have a, a different relationship with food, if you haven't listened to them already, or maybe you want to go back and listen to them again. It's all good. Also, you can find them at our website, or I'll link to them in the show notes. Plenty of options. Now... <laughs> Even if after everything I've shared, you may still want to do whatever it takes to change your body as fast as you can, and that is totally okay. You do whatever you've got to do, but just be mindful that our bodies won't always respond in the ways or do the things that we want them to just because we want them to. Following a highly restrictive diet and practicing high-intensity interval training sessions will very likely give you some quick changes. And you may be even able to keep practicing this for short to midterm. But long-term, you're likely going to find that these practices aren't as great for you as you thought. Looking a certain way isn't necessarily going to make you feel any more like the person you know you are inside. I know that was a big a big realization that I had at a certain point in training. When, when I started, it was all about aesthetics. It was how I wanted to look. That was, that was my whole focus. But over time, I've realized a few things. Firstly, that doesn't keep you made motivated for like long periods of time, like short term. You know, it might even keep you going for a couple of years. It did for me. But I'm coming up on nine years of training now. And I tell you what... <laughs> It no longer has anything to do with how I look. That becomes a side effect of the way I move. Instead, I focus on what I'm enjoying. What do I feel like doing that helps me feel good, that helps me feel like I'm moving in a way that I like. That's pretty much what it comes down to. And for myself personally, high-intensity interval training was never my jam. Some people it is. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell people what they should and shouldn't like just because I have an opinion. HIIT training is fine for some folks, and if you want to do it, do it. Just be mindful. There's only so far that you can push your body at its almost maximum before it just can't go any further. And it's at that point so often that I've seen people who have done done high-intensity interval training that they end up overtraining or they end up injured. And it's a bummer because some people really do froth it. But like it's also the people who do it just because they just want to lose that weight or they want to change their body or they want to do something quick. So just be mindful of that. With any training, there's risks and there's benefits. So inform yourself. Understand what you're getting yourself into and learn more about how you can do it safely. If you're wanting to diet, I'm not going to tell you not to. If you want to start changing your body by adjusting what you eat, learn how to do it safely before you begin to practice. If you've had a challenging relationship with eating, calorie counting and restricting is probably going to be pretty plop and risky. So look for those alternatives. Don't just jump straight into some restrictive shred diet because it's sold to you as this magical thing that's going to get you your goal. 
it's probably not going to end up well, friend. Be mindful of that. Inform yourself. Now, let's have a little recap. <laughs> We've busted that myth that you can spot train errors in your body because it's just not how our bodies work. <laughs> then we've got to have a look at training full body combined with moderate intensity, steady state training, my personal favorite, and sustainable and enjoyable because you can do a bunch of different things to make that happen versus high intensity interval training which as I just shared to you while some people may like it isn't necessarily going to be sustainable and achievable long term and my perspective is that if you can't do something long term then what's the point in starting it because as soon as you change those practices when it comes to moving our bodies and training ourselves our body changes with those changes so just being aware of that and just be mindful which is the last thing I touched on there, of understanding what you're getting into before you do it. Make an informed decision because you have that power. Whatever practice you decide to begin, learn about it. Understand it. Don't just jump straight in because some coach out there is like, oh, I'm gonna, I can promise you that you can get this happen. That's not good enough. And if a coach is promising you changes, that's, that's a lie because no one can predict how a person's body is going to function. I can never promise anyone that they're going to actually be able to reach that goal that they have. If they work and and are consistent, they are going to have changes in some ways, but who knows how, because we can't predict how our bodies are going to do certain things. You can't promise someone something because you never know, <laughs> you don't know how they're going to respond. So if a person is promising you these magical things, it's, it's probably a lie. And just being mindful of that, inform yourself. You have that power. Now, you can find all these details in the show notes. If you're enjoying the show and you know other folks who might find some benefit from having a listen, maybe it's this episode, maybe it's one of the other 60 episodes that I've done, <laughs> share it with the friends. Helping people is what it's all about. If you have any questions about this episode or would like to learn more, about how we could support you, you can go to our website, www.fearlessmovement.co. You can send us a message there. You can check out what training we have. We have online training. We've just opened up classes. Exciting. If you are someone in Melbourne, we now do beginner kettlebell classes here at our training studio in the outer east of Melbourne. You can check it out. We have small group classes because... Small group classes are better. It's not about jamming as many people as you can into a class because that's just not fun. Small group classes, we're about five people max. If you're in Melbourne, check us out. If you're in the outer east, yes, there is finally options for you out here. We also have online training. We have free trials online. You can jump onto our website and check out all our good stuff there. You can also find us on social media if you don't want to go to our website. You can go to Facebook and find us at Fearless Movement Collective or Instagram where we are most active by going to non-gendered fitness at the handle non underscore gendered underscore fitness or me, Bowie, as the dot no dot t dot envy. Yes, remembering we combined our Fearless Movement Collective and non-gendered fitness account together so now everything is all on non-gendered fitness. If you're not following us there, go follow. (laughs) And until next week, friend, remember, you are more than your body. And while we may not always be where we want to be, your body does not make you any less you, regardless of how 
it looks to you or anyone else. Have a rad as day pal.